Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. We have Dan Evans, host of Good Morning Bad News, PowerPoint, Power Report, excuse me, and Audio Face should be a great, great news breakdown. Hannah Cox will join me in the bullpen today. So make sure you stick and stay for that. Top story of the day, the United States Supreme Court now officially overturns Roe v. Wade. Officially, they are saying women do not have the same rights in this country as they once did. I'm going to give you an analysis of this conclusion by the US Supreme Court. And how both Democrats and Republicans have played a part in this disastrous day today. So in a five to four decision, SCOTUS has overturned Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court on Friday overturned it officially. We got the leaks in advance. We knew this was coming, now it's here. They have overturned the fundamental right to abortion established nearly 50 years ago in Roe v. Wade, a stunning reversal that leave states free to drastically reduce or even outlaw a procedure that abortion rights groups said is key to a woman's equality and independence. Now, let me remind you of what it looks like when states have this kind of control. Remember Alabama back in 2019, well, they passed a law. They passed a law that said, if a woman is raped, if A woman has no choice and that choice is taken away. The man rapes her and she seeks an abortion. That woman can get up to 25 years in prison. The doctor who performs it, the abortion, can get up to 99 years in prison. And the rapist will get between five to 10 years in prison. That was not legislation that actually became law temporarily in the United States of America, contextualized in Alabama. Their legislature passed it, their governor signed it. It took a court to overturn the insanity, but for a brief period of time, that was the actual law in Alabama. Overturning Roe v. Wade creates this cascade effect that will allow Alabama and other states to create insane laws against women. There's more. On January 22nd, 1973, this is your historical context. The Supreme Court issued a seven to two decision, seven to two, holding that the due process clause of the 14th amendment to the United States Constitution provides a fundamental right to privacy, and it does which protects a pregnant woman's right to an abortion. Her right to choose is contextualized in the United States Constitution. This happened in 1973. Republicans, conservatives, many of them opposed it then, but not all of them. As a matter of fact, even today, the majority of Americans still agree with a woman's right to choose. Obviously, the majority of women agree with the woman's right to choose. This is the minority approach here. You have a handful of religious zealots and conservative chaotic men in particular who have decided to force this, to force this as now common law in the United States of America. Is it not ironic 
that since 1973, Democrats, Democrats did not codify this into absolute law. There were times they had the votes, they had the chambers, and they could have, and they did not. They are reactionary. There's more. So let's go to what Justice Alito wrote, all right? He says Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. His reasoning exceptionally weak. And the decision was has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue. Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Hmm. I got more to say about that. But Alito, since you're on the roll here, how about you do this? And this is something that I posted on social media. Since the Supreme Court wants to take away a woman's right to choose, child support should start at conception. A child is nine months old at birth. Mandate life insurance companies to ensure fetuses. Stop deporting pregnant undocumented women because now they are carrying American citizens. Go all the way Alito, let's have linear logic in your judicial conclusion. But of course, when the 14th Amendment was ratified, it wasn't ratified by people. This is not about the 14th Amendment. Let's stop acting as if the framers of the Constitution and those that decided to put pen to paper were somehow divine and perfect. No, there is something terribly wrong with the Constitution of the United States of America. And part of it is exactly what's happening now. So when we say, well, the people ratified the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, no, old ass white men did. That's who ratified it, that's who wrote it, and that's who has historically interpreted the damn thing, not people. Not a diverse group, not really the true citizens of this country, but old white men. But of course, people did not ratify the 14th Amendment, men did. So it is perhaps not surprising that the ratifiers were not perfectly attuned to the importance of reproductive rights for women's liberty and for their capacity to participate as equal members of our nation. The Supreme Court ruled Thursday in the height of hypocrisy. They ruled on Thursday that law abiding Americans have a right to carry a handgun outside the home for self defense. Issuing a watershed constitutional ruling against firearm restrictions as the nation reels from mass shootings and its political leaders are divided on how to curb the violence. So let me bring this home to you. You literally have a Supreme Court that just ruled. That a woman's right to choose cannot be codified in the US Constitution and it must be left up to the states in order for a woman to have that right. That same Supreme Court ruled that having a gun wherever you choose to basically cannot be left up to the states, but it must be codified by the United States Supreme Court and nationally applied. Do you see what they're doing here? Do you see the irony, the hypocrisy of the ruling? While one ruling says this right is so precious that we must get involved to protect this right for all people in all states in this country. And the other right, not so much. When it comes to women, 
hmm, the right is not worth protecting nationally. But when it comes to those who have guns, there's more. The court's conservatives prevailed in a six to three decision that struck a New York law requiring a special need to carry a weapon and puts at risk similar laws in Maryland, California, New York, Hawaii, and Massachusetts. The ruling is likely to make it easier to carry guns in some of the nation's biggest cities. Thomas, in his summary of this opinion, Justice Thomas talked about your right to self-defense. But here's the irony, Justice. Your right to bear arms, the phrase self-defense doesn't exist. It's for a well-regulated militia. How do you define well-regulated, sir? Oh, you didn't bother to do that. Self-defense as a prerequisite dynamic so that you can have guns, guns, guns is not even contextualized in the US Constitution. The vote was a six to three vote to uphold a restrictive Mississippi law. Um, Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. criticized his conservative colleagues for taking the additional step of overturn Roe and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which had reaffirmed the rights of women. Now listen, make no mistake about it, it's a sad day. It's a sad day, it's not just a sad day for women. It's a sad day for our nation, it's a sad day for the character of our country. But here's the thing. And I tell my college students this often because they're living in a perilous time. There is no finality in democracy. Democracy allows room for remedy, but you gotta stick it out. You have to continue to fight, you gotta push the agenda. And you cannot give up just because they tell you you can't or you won't or it will never happen. You have to keep fighting. Now. That only applies in democracy. If you hand it back over to Trump and his cronies, democracy will cease to exist. And that's where we are. Dan, thoughts here. This is, as you said, a very dark day in American history. Of course, we knew because the Supreme Court ruling had leaked, which was its own unprecedented case, but having it completely codified in court and then watching this reaction where you have senators like Joe Manchin who were promised that Kavanaugh wouldn't rule on Roe v. Wade or like they accepted these lies just so they could see another political day. And now they're clutching their pearls and acting shocked and chagrined that such a day would come. People like Nancy Pelosi who claim to be the top fundraisers of the party who hold a lot of power who are then turning around and saying, well, we got everyone to vote. We've done nothing with our limited amount of power that we were able to get and squeak out in Georgia where we all promised people that we would get things done if we were just able to win those Senate races. And here we've got nothing to show you, but we still desperately want you to continue voting for us. Pelosi is fundraising right now, even though Republicans have power and she's reading out poetry right now. The Republicans have power, Democrats have poems. And so that's why, and the other thing I have to point out here is that this isn't going to stop. In Clarence Thomas's ruling, he says, for that reason, we should reconsider all the court's due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Ogrefell. 
Obergefell, that means they're gonna come for gay marriage. That means they're gonna come yep. for contraceptive rights. It's only going to get harder from here. And we need to realize that uh, the pressure is on not just Republicans who we knew were evil, but on Democrats to make sure that they actually start acting and defending these rights that we're supposed to have. Because as you're saying, we have no democracy if we don't have rights. That's right, um, and you are so correct on the fact that they are setting the stage. Make no mistake about it, it was intentional when Clarence Thomas placed that unique wording inside of the summary. That is setting the stage, that creates an echo, that creates a movement inside of a movement. They know exactly what they're doing and they know how to talk to each other in their coded language. We can decode it, it's not difficult, but we have to be willing to put leaders in position who are ready to fight and not those who give a damn about the institution, but they give a damn about the people who put them there. The FBI, they have raided multiple churches in Texas, okay? This story is still developing. So on Thursday, KWTX reported that the FBI has raided three churches across the South, including a church in Killeen, Texas, said to be targeting service members from the nation's largest army base. Now, let me say this. Why would a church want to recruit trained killers. Just something for you to think about for a moment as we go down the rabbit hole of this story. On the left, the Assembly of Prayer, that's a church in Augusta, Georgia. On the right, women outside the House of Prayer Christian Church in Hinesville, Georgia. Here's a statement, I can confirm the FBI was executing court authorized law enforcement activity today in the vicinity of the intersection of Massey Saint and E Rancher Avenue in Killen, Texas. No additional information will be released at this time. That's what FBI Special Agent Carmen Portillo and said in an email statement to KWTX News. So Assembly of Prayer Christian Church is located in that area. Let's put up the picture. A video shared on social media on Thursday. They show law enforcement officers at the church. According to the Daily Herald of that local area, dozens of Google and Facebook reviews for the church refer to it as a cult with a habit of recruiting Fort Hood soldiers. Once again, according to the narrative, they intentionally recruit trained killers. Also rated were the House of Prayer, that's in Georgia Hinesville to be exact, near Fort Stewart, and the Assembly of Prayer. That's a church in Augusta, Georgia, near Fort Gordon, another major military installation. Both of these churches have also been accused of targeting service members. Here's the thing, I think this is the tip of the iceberg. That's what I believe. What's happening right now is that you literally have people who are gearing up for what they expect to be a civil war. Now that's not something that I'm wishing upon this country, none whatsoever. But there are individuals who, are, who have already been arrested by the federal government and their plans were noted. They wanted to start a race war. What is a race war? A race war is a civil war. That's citizen on citizen war. Now, when are we going to realize that the same people 
who are being recruited and part of whatever occultic activity connected to these churches are the same folks that raided the Capitol. Same people, same ideology, same warlike and same violent tendencies, same thing. The American government, the Department of Justice, even President Joe Biden, they have not dealt with these individuals as the terrorists that they are. They are domestic terrorists. In 2016, a report came out from the FBI that said your your most dangerous issue right now is domestic terrorism inside of law enforcement. That's according to their report. All right, Dan, thoughts here. Yeah, it's really scary stuff that's happening right now in the country because as you're seeing increasing right-wing violence on one end, it's increasing gun violence just in general, sometimes right-wing related, sometimes just these mass shooting incidents that can be related to any other social issues in society. At the same time, you're also getting a culture where guns are more acceptable and tensions are more heightened against other people. You're exactly saying the right things. This is how civil wars begin. It gets scary. This is the time when politicians on all sides of the aisle should be stoking down tensions. But it seems like one side is playing that game while the other side is just stoking up fears and tensions left and right. Um, But the fact that you're having the FBI uncover more and more of these cases, just like we had uh, that U-Haul truck full of white extremists, white identity extremists that was uncovered at that Pride Festival in Idaho um, a couple of weeks back. We're uncovering this boiling over of people who are ready to use these laws that are being passed, that are increasing gun access, in order to use them against um, other citizens, and they're. Playing the system in ways that I don't think a lot of people are expecting to. And so it's another situation where we need Democrats to pressure Republicans to get their base to calm down and lower the tensions on this because blood is already on their hands, I would argue. It's about to get more obvious. Yeah, and this is a developing story. So obviously, we will bring more information as it comes. The federal government, they are being very restrictive as it relates to the information. Listen. There are people that may need to know what's happening in their local community. These churches are affixed to residential areas. They need to know what's going down, all right? Killer Kyle Rittenhouse has a new video game that in the game, you kill fake news turkeys. Hi, I'm Kyle Rittenhouse. You might know me as the guy who was recently acquitted from all charges in the Kenosha self-defense case. From the very beginning, I did nothing wrong. But that didn't stop the media from smearing my name. It's time to fight back against the fake news machine. This is why I'm launching the Kyle Rittenhouse fake news turkey shoot video game. The media is nothing but a bunch of turkeys with nothing better to do than push their lying agenda and destroy innocent people's lives. So go to RittenhouseGame.com and pre-order the game now and help me fund the lawsuits to stop these fake news turkeys. It's the fake news turkey shoot. Got a laser gun going pew pew pew. Filing lawsuits. We about to bankrupt the fake news. Go to RittenhouseGame.com. Pre-order now.
Kyle killed two people. That monstrous SOB took the life of two individuals. He traveled to a location, he brought a gun. Before he did it, he said he wanted to, it's on a recording that was not allowed in the courtroom for evidence, but we have it here. And he killed two people. Yeah, he got away with it. He was found not guilty in a court that gave him every favorable ruling possible. But he killed two people. You know, I know people who have had to take the life of somebody else in self defense. They don't brag about it. They're not proud of it. When they think about it, it still hurts them. You know why? Because they're human. Kyle Rittenhouse is now using the death of two individuals that should be alive. He's using their death in order to make money through a video game. Where the message of the video game is to kill members of the media. That's the message of the video game. What do you think this does to the overall culture in this country right now of individuals who are willing to do the unthinkable because they believe they are serving a higher cause? Let me give you some background to this insanity so you are aware. Uh, let's put up the graphics, okay? Promotional materials on the game's official website, which is RittenhouseGame.com. Market the game both as entertainment and as a way of funding future defamation lawsuits. All right. <clears throat> so it says fake news turkeys become Kyle and help raise funds. Uh, and it says this game will aid Kyle's legal defense against the fake news. The game does not yet has not yet been released, so there's no release date. Pre-orders are available. Uh, they are trying to sell this for $9.99. Mint Studios, the game's developer, remember that, Mint Studios uses the game website to portray itself as an opponent of censorship and deplatforming. So Mint Studios, all right, LLC, all rights reserved. Mint Studios is the leading game development studio ready to serve any large scale games for, for influential people and serious worldly issues battling against the fear or worry of removal. We put privacy first and refuse to deplatform any legal content. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse had this to say in a tweet. I have a new announcement coming soon about my defamation cases. Keep an eye on Fox News and TMAP.org for more this week. All right, that's called the Media Accountability Project. Um, let's also highlight how they exploit the black community. So naturally, we heard the urban hip hop twist in his sick ass video game. But would you believe me if I told you that this white male anti-black lives matter killer literally quotes Malcolm X to defend what he's doing? Here it is, it says the media is the most powerful entity on earth. 
They have the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent and that's power, Malcolm X. He's using a quote from Malcolm X that in context was referencing how narratives have been created against black males in particular, not white ones. Dan, thoughts here. Uh, once the right wing was able to see how Kyle Rittenhouse was willing to play ball yeah. with their games and their tactics. I mean, they saw what they could do, honestly, what they weren't able to do with George Zimmerman. I mean, I thought George Zimmerman, I thought people would be upset with that after the Trayvon Martin case where he was basically able to walk free, where he was doing things like going to events and posing with his gun. And I think he even auctioned it off at one point, the gun he used yep. to kill Trayvon Martin. We thought that was like an audacious level of just flaunting, getting away with killing someone, but the legal system rules it that it's justified for whatever reason. That doesn't make it morally just, that doesn't make it just in for people's public opinion and that they're allowed to have in this country with a first amendment. But nevertheless, the right wing was leading up to the verdict and immediately after they had Tucker Carlson original specials and interviews with all of their pundits. And he's been working with those kinds of people to become a provocateur to do things like quote Malcolm X while making a video game about his actions during a Black Lives Matter rally. When we very clearly know what side brother Malcolm would have been on in this matter. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it's just, it's very, you never think you will find the bottom with the right wing, with Republicans in general. But Kyle Rittenhouse keeps giving it every single day his best try yeah. to find a new bottom. And you got to think about how extreme it's getting. They went from quoting Dr. King out of context to quoting Malcolm X out of context. Like this is this is seriously de-evolving at a record pace. All right, we got more on the other side. Is indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Next TYT reporter makes a great point. If they codified abortion in law, they can't fundraise off of it anymore. Great point. Mickey C, the Silver Hat Dragon. Next, the Supreme Court will overturn HIPAA law. So doctors, hospital clinics, and pharmacists will be compelled to report all pregnant women. The Supreme Court has admitted they're now looking at birth control and gay marriage next, passing. Uh, misogyn misogynistic laws, that's correct. Texting uh, Christian terrorists, you don't say. That's right, Christian terrorist, yep. Um, Shakita Ganaibir, Doc, the right wing evangelical, evangelical loonies in Colorado Springs have been targeting United States Air Force Academy cadets for decades now. Colorado Springs is the Vatican City of right wing uh, Evangelicalism, that's interesting, I did not know that, wow. Uh, James Thompson, thank you so much. When will people be tired of a few controlling the laws? Exactly, uh, Rep Proctor, thank you. What makes me angry is this, it's not just women losing their rights, but conservatives are trying to push their religion uh, into people, onto people, it's sickening, that's right. Yep, tripping over the whole world, uh, thank you. Welcome to Gilead, everyone, blessed be the fruit under his eye. Yeah, um, and one more, uh, $2, two says, GOP on video games, when young kids get shot, total outrage. GOP, when right wingers make a game about killing folks, silence. That's right, 
because they operate in perpetual hypocrisy, that's why. All right, I got something for you, lighten the mood a little bit. I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. I will report that to our corporate office that how you were gangstering against me when I said it's not free. Sorry, sir, we're not gangsters, so. Yes, you did gangsters over here. No, he no. acted like a gangster, so. No, I will tell them cops. I can call the police on you guys. We want an explanation then. I will call Why the yesterday they gave us breakfast, tickets, and also. I will call the police on you. We want an explanation why not today. And you guys breakfast. are asked. No free breakfast here. Do you understand that? In the you were explained. $10 per person, and then you went, and you brought this uh, ticket to get this, and I will have this ticket. Luckily, he threw it at me. Good. I, I have this ticket. I lay here on, on No, the... he threw it at me. We have it. I have it in our, 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 our camera system is here. No, our camera has recorded everything. Look over above. Yeah, you can we got all it. the yeah. cameras, all everything recorded. That's fine. No problem. I, I can show them how the gangster situation you guys did. And also, luckily, I have your room numbers and everything too. When he said gangster situation, here's the thing. I'm from a place called Glenwood Road. Sir, you were not in the middle of a gangster situation. Now, this particular male, Karen, he did utilize the word gangstering. Never really heard of it, but it was an interesting use of the word. Now, this is about a damn breakfast meal ticket, okay? Whatever the conflict may be, if there's miscommunication, there's a misconception, whatever. Why is it that all of a sudden, when there's a miscommunication or perhaps somebody got it wrong, maybe you got it wrong, sir. Why is it that you go to say these people are gangstering against you and then you threaten to call the cops? The cops are there because you need a gun. What do you need a gun for? What has happened to warrant that a gun is required? All right, Dan, thoughts on this? I get really nervous exactly when people perceive situations that aren't that intense yeah. as gangstering. <laughs> I, I I almost want to like conjugate that like there's the gangstery, there's we gangstering together. There's no no, there's all these different angles, but it's people have, especially in this country with heightened emotions and tensions, these extreme reactions to situations that can definitely be solved out with talking or normal conversations. Yeah. In other places, you don't have. In other countries, I mean, uh, of course, things aren't perfect in other countries, but in countries where everyone isn't armed to the teeth, where you don't have. Um, open carry laws or even lack thereof, even those laws around where pretty much anyone can get a gun under very unreasonable circumstances. And they can choose to take out their low self esteem and being upset and doing so. In countries where you don't have that, people just talk things out, people, things get solved. People are just much more low key about that. And you don't get all these accidental shootings, accidental murders, people on freeways shooting each other, people having these altercations. There was someone down the street from me who uh, let their gun go off in a bus the other day. Like that's this is getting to a ridiculous state here. Yeah. I got something for you. Anti Karen's Unite. You're screaming and employees are 
official language, jackass. Beat your ass, you talk to me okay. like that. It's okay. You're not gonna disrespect no woman like that, bro. Come on, she trying, she's telling you she's everybody's saying they're sorry. But let her go, bro. She just keeps telling you she's sorry. She's telling you everybody's saying they're sorry and you stay with everybody is telling her. I did say I said I did not see that because I was talking about it. Yep. Bootsy badass in this situation is an anti-Karen. Now, I want to bring your attention to someone who was with the entourage of Bootsy Badass and look at what they were doing. Here it is. According to the narrative, uh, Bootsy Badass was actually defending a young lady from the excessive insults of that gentleman in the video. Now it is interesting because Bootsy Badass has been, I've been opposite of him in my commentary for some of the things he has said on record that I thought were ignorant and foolish and ridiculous. Uh, even Mike Tyson had to correct Bootsy Badass and who in the hell is going to correct Mike Tyson, right? But in this scenario, it looks as if for that day, for that moment, in that period of time, Pussy Badass decided to be an anti-Karen. All right, Dan, thoughts here. Yeah, sometimes a broken clock is right twice a day. I'm glad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm glad to see when celebrities, especially celebrities of color, use their status and use their ability to um, interrupt in certain situations where they see injustices. Because this happens all the time, and we a lot of times people stop, or the best they can do is record, especially when it's like a police situation or another mm -hmm. situation of slight authority. Because we know that in this country, actually interacting can potentially put you in a dangerous situation. That's right. Let alone not get you any justice. So it's good that people who do have power in society because you know who's not gonna you know who's gonna hear it if they mess up with someone who has money and power and status who can blow up their badge number and blow up their department and make it a political problem for this police department, a celebrity. That's so right. it, I'm glad that this kind of thing happens with certain artists. Doesn't excuse all the other stuff there are too though. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. That's why I said, listen, for that moment, we're gonna give them that for that moment. He was an anti-Karen, I'm glad he stood up for the young lady. And she was being as polite as possible, saying, hey, it's okay, but cool. You had somebody standing up for you. It was unfortunate you had to go through that, but I'm glad you saw the other side of the coin as well. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Thank you for connecting, all right? YouTube Super Chat, uh, money, made money in the building says, and thank you for that. Uh, you be gangstering every day, doc. That may become our new word here, gangstering, all right? Ferda Massa says, gonna go out and do <laughs> Gonna go out and do some gangstering this weekend, how about you? Always be gangstering, we gotta get those on the shirt. <laughs> okay, um, Lutunichi Mohanid, my man in the back with the black shirt, he like, ah, oh, Boosie, just say the word. 
Yeah, thank you, T Virgin. I appreciate you. Welcome to Indisputable. Uh, Twitch, Neon Death 07, gangstering question mark. Yep. Um, arsenic, I think, 0721. Look, I need breakfast. I clearly have a lot of gangstering to do. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Okay, very sad story. A nurse lets a three year old child die under her care, admits that she was on meth. Let's put a picture of a full mass, the custody picture. Okay, she's a nurse. That's how that's how she looked. She was on meth. Okay. Her name is Judith Maria Sobel. She never should have been around children. She was taken into custody on Monday. She was charged with one count of second degree murder and one count of possession of methamphetamine. Sobel confessed that she, and I quote, shot up meth before coming to work and admitted that she was responsible for the toddler's death because she was not in the right state of mind to be at work and she should have never come to work at all. She allegedly had shot up each of her four days before the child's tragic death. And this is such a damn shame. This is so sad, okay? The woman has an addiction. But when you engage in that addiction, knowing that you are putting someone's child in danger of dying, there's a responsibility here. You gotta take that responsibility. Let me give you the background to this story. Officers with the Coloma Township Police Department on June 20th, this was in Michigan. June 20th at approximately 2.30 AM responded to a 911 call about a child not breathing. Upon arriving at the scene, first responders found the child and both of the parents inside of the toddler's room. The father was reportedly performing CPR, but told police they were not sure how long the child had been unconscious. The parents whose names have not been reported on record told the officers that they walked into their daughter's room and found the little girl and her nighttime nurse later identified as Sobel, both lying on the ground. They noted that the child's required breathing tube was nowhere to be found. Police said the victim appeared blue. Let's go to her LinkedIn profile, okay? I'm gonna do a comparison here because people have to be vigilant. Look at her LinkedIn picture. This is Ms. Sobel's. Her profile pic is dramatically different than her active in meth addiction image, okay? You mean to tell me you are a medical professional and you have clear, clear signs that you are addicted to something? And I know it's not politically correct what I'm about to say, but use some common sense here. Let's go, do we have the picture, the original picture? Okay, in that original picture, look at her. If you walked into a hospital, if you walked into a hospital room and that person, was taking care of your child, would you say something? Of course, if you are a medical doctor, if you are a medical professional of any sort, you are trained to notice symptoms, signs. You're trained to know them in patients so that you do not aggravate an addiction, an underlying addiction or an aggressive addiction. 
Um, the parents hired Sobel, a registered nurse at Forest View Hospital to watch their toddler who has several medical conditions and required constant monitoring. Sobel would instead be found lying on the ground next to the child mumbling. The cops found her in that condition. Let's put up a picture of the hospital that the child was eventually taken to. The child was taken to a place called Spectrum Lakeland Hospital for treatment. However, she died from her injuries and was pronounced dead approximately 4 a.m. The toddler's trachea tube wasn't located until after they arrived at the hospital where it was found tangled up in her hair, in her hair. Sobel who allegedly had a container of meth and two pipes on her when she was processed, reportedly told police that when she cleaned the trachea tube, it likely became disconnected. She reportedly said she likely then passed out or fell asleep without the trachea tube being properly replaced. Completely, completely avoidable. You can't blame the parents, they're suffering enough. But damn it, in all of the systems involved here, no one noticed this woman looks out of sorts. We're not even talking about the behavioral issues. If you are a meth addict, there are behavioral tales. The physical tales were prevalent. Now, a toddler is dead, a family is destroyed. They would never be the same. They may be able to cope, but they would never be the same. All right, um, Dan, thoughts here. Yeah, it's just another one of those cases, and unfortunately, we've covered them a lot on Indisputable here, where it's a failure of people who should be in charge to make sure that at bare minimum, you people you have tasked with making sure they're taking care of life, very vulnerable life, are themselves able to come to that job every, every day and take care of themselves and others. Uh, yeah, just, if, if they looked, if this person looked so, will look that way. The, when they were processed, how they looked that morning coming into the like workplace, how they look before that. It's yeah. <coughs> patterns that should have been seen because the, the idea that you are taking care of a child and you're in some type of brain state like that to where you can't even finish that task before passing out. I it's hard for anyone of, you know, clear mind to imagine. So, you know, hopefully she gets some help, but it's this too little too late, of course. Well said. A Georgia councilman, a good man, put up his picture. This good man has resigned because his city is too damn racist. Look at this man. They call him James Doc Eaton, a Kennesaw, Georgia councilman has now resigned from his post in protest of the renewal of a business permit for a store called Wildman Civil War Surplus. He attended his last meeting, he said, I'm done with it. You all decide to renew this company's business license. I'm going to resign in protest of that racist act. This is quite interesting. Let's put up 
some pictures from the store that was allowed to continue to operate, all right? Here's what the councilman said. He said, I wanna set the example of my grandchildren that silence on issues that matter is agreement and not a sign of true leadership. Doc Eaton wrote in his resignation letter, the councilman's daughter said she will also move her chiropractic business out of the city of Kennesaw. So what you're looking at, let's go to the racist wardrobe sold at the store. So you have racist wardrobe, you have anti-black imagery, okay? There's more, you have Jim Crow era imagery, black children eating watermelon with a sign that says, we be eye candy only. That's what it is. That business was allowed to stand. A white council member was so offended by this racism that he resigned his job. He said, if you all renew this, put his picture back up again, please. This is an ally. This is a good man, Doc Eaton. Older white gentleman did the absolute right thing, raised his children right, obviously, because his daughter stood up and said, and I'm taking my chiropractic business out of this city as well if you renew the license of this racist establishment. Fascinating, good people, allies, stood up, true leadership. Let's put up the picture of the people in charge. Let's put all of them up, I'm exposing all of them. Let's start on the left, that's your fire chief, Bill Johnson. Then you have the city manager, Jeff Dropney. And who is the business license supervisor? Well, it's the brother on the right, his name is Derek Cox. He oversaw the approval process after the business corrected items that made them fail their last inspection. The fire marshal reinspected the property, which started the process of reapproval. And they got their reapproval. And I know people would say, well, well, they are a legitimate business, our hands are tied. No, no, there are plenty of laws and statutes and, and indecency dynamics that could have applied here for you to make sure that racist ass establishment was no more. Or here's a novel idea, pay the damn fine. If he sues, you pay it out. Or just say you won't pay him. Say, hey, sue me, but you will not have an establishment like that in my city. Where was that kind of leadership from the mayor, from the city manager? Hmm? Now, the city council member, Doc Eaton, was powerless to change it because he's only one vote. But him standing up in that way brought attention to this story that did not exist beforehand. So big ups to you, Doc. Thank you for being an ally and thank you for raising an amazing family. Dan, thoughts here? Yeah, I'm happy to see that you have white allies here who are able to stand up for these things that are terrible. And just understand the mindset of the people who decided to open the store again. Their response to getting people's, uh, you know, uh, criticism and praise for reopening the store is, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. 
See, for some people, it's just an opinion. For other people, it's their history and their family's history being characterized, characterized and sold for pennies on the dollar. I mean, I'm sure some of these are expensive antiques here or there, but these are supposed to be people who you live around, whose you know enslavement you're honoring or doing in this way. It's not you know just heritage or learning about history when you're able to buy these. I dare even use the term knickknacks for sale at this antique store. It's just absolutely sickening that it's kind of existing there. And yeah. it's putting a, and for a lot of people who live in that town who don't want to have it, have a racist image, but have the store in their downtown square, it gives it a look. It's gonna make people think twice about shopping there, moving there, stopping there on a road trip even. Yeah, that's right. Listen, this is the downfall of a community. You're not going to attract Fortune 400, 500 companies, so you won't have a hiring base. You're not going to attract certain nonprofit development. They're not going to do business with you. You're not going to attract the best talent running for your political offices. It's not going to happen, all right? You, you're seeing the exodus because of one establishment. You mean to tell me you are powerless to create laws, create a statute that would severely restrict or eliminate that company's ability to, to sell that kind of racist mess? All right, we got more. On the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. You won't believe this, but it's real. Kids were served floor sealant by a school. They thought it was milk, the children drink it, they go to the hospital. An investigation is now underway, let me give you the background into how 12 elementary school students in Juneau, Alaska were served floor sealant instead of milk at a childcare program has revealed the chemical was mistakenly stored in a food warehouse, school district official said. In the spring of 2021, one pallet of floor sealant was erroneously delivered as part of a shelf stable milk shipment to a warehouse used to store food for the school district. The floor sealant was later served to a group of students at the rally summer care program held at Valley Elementary School as part of the breakfast according to the school district. Soon after the students began complaining the milk they were served tasted bad and it was burning their throats and their mouths, according to the district. Let me put up a picture of the mayor of this area. Her name is Beth Weldon. Now I'm putting up the picture of Mayor Weldon because this is gross negligence. I have more story here, but this is gross negligence, Madam Mayor. And I know that you have not done anything to harm these children. But you are in charge of that city, you and that council. So I'm putting you on notice today that if the investigation does not uncover and hold accountable how this happened to those children, it's going to be me and you, madam. All right? All right. Uh, the investigation found the outside contractor responsible for making student breakfast ran out of milk and sent staff to the warehouse to get more. Three boxes of the sealant were retrieved, one of which was brought back to the school, according to the district. 
And all the school districts said 12 children and two adults drank the chemical, believing it was milk. After the children complained, staff immediately smelled and tasted the milk and looked at the container labels and quickly found the children had actually been given slightly scented liquid floor sealant resembling milk. Now, how did they figure it out? Hmm? They looked at the what? The label. It was labeled floor sealant. You mean to tell me that somebody picked up floor sealant, opened up the floor sealant box, took the floor sealant liquid out, poured it, it's floor sealant. It says it. it's on the label. There's more. Um, after parents were notified, some students were taken to a nearby hospital or their medical provider, the district said, adding that some children also experienced headaches and nausea, along with burning in their mouths and throats. As of Wednesday evening, the district said all 12 students were recovering and some had fully recovered. Two of the other floor sealant boxes, now catch this now. Two of the other boxes retrieved at the warehouse were delivered to two other schools. Where they remained unopened, the district said. The school district board of education was appalled, they said, to learn of the food service error that occurred earlier this week. The statement said, our immediate priority is with the students impacted by the incident and ensuring their recovery and continued safety. The board is working to understand how this occurred and ensure we have proper safeguards in place that prevents this kind of error from happening happening again. I can tell you how it occurred. Uh, you got some dumbasses on staff, that's how it occurred. It was on the label, it was marked floor ceiling. I don't give a damn what refrigerator it was in. Uh, the contractor NMS said in the statement, our safety team, why do you have a safety team? Why don't you have a regular team? You have a safety team because your team F's up, that's why, okay? Our safety team was immediately dispatched to Juno on the day of the incident to investigate and assess every contributing factor to determine how this happened. We are working in cooperation with the school district, the police, the city and borough, the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation, and the warehouse contractor. What about the kids? Hmm? No apology to the kids. You know why they did not apologize to the kids? It's called legal liability. Do you understand? All right, uh, the statement added uh, to prevent a similar event from ever taking place in the future. We're implementing corrective action, a corrective action plan that includes additional safety measures and renewed checks and balances. We deeply regret this mistake and the distress of families and other members of our community. All right, so you're gonna have to create a plan to make sure people read labels. David, thoughts? I'm not so sure this was a mistake. And I don't think anybody intentionally wanted the kids to, I don't know, have the sealant as milk. But this sounds like maybe some jackass in the warehouse decided, hey, let's play a little joke on the school. And they're asking for this milk, so let's just go ahead and give them this stuff and ha ha, they'll catch it. Well, no, they didn't because nobody was paying mm. attention and damn it, the kids got this stuff. Somebody needs to own up and say this was a joke that went bad. We should never have been screwing around like this. It's on us. We accept liability, we expect, accept responsibility. Well said, interesting point of view because damn, right? To say that 
They simply did not read a label or labels, plural, and this happened, doesn't, doesn't add up. Hell of a story. A Michigan dad fends off a gunman while holding a sleeping baby and he has a cigarette in his mouth. All right, uh, let's go to it. Okay, so you see the beginnings of the saga. Pulls out the gun. Yep, and look at this, look at this. And now he just holds his hands up. Right, if you blinked, you would have missed it. Okay, uh, let's put up a graphic. We got a screenshot of that pivotal moment. Now, this man, is holding a sleeping baby, and the baby didn't wake up, by the way. Baby's still asleep. He's holding a sleeping baby. He has a cigarette in his mouth, and he has one free arm open. This is a whole damn gunman. He was able to fend off that gunman. This actually happened on Father's Day. We now have the video, this actually happened on Father's Day. The gas station clerk said the 25 year old father came running in with the baby and was trying to hide. Police also confirmed before running into the gas station, the father sustained some sort of injury to his arm, possibly a stab or a cut. The gun jamming or somehow malfunctioning is what saved this father's life and that of his young child, all right? Um, it, it, this is a fascinating thing. Let's put up the other uh, graphic again, look at that. When the dad noticed the gun jammed, he quickly acted, pushing the gun away, locking the door. The gunman tried to open fire on them inside of that gas station on Tyrement at Hubble on Detroit's west side. Then Tuesday afternoon, just a few blocks away, Detroit police took a person of interest into custody and obtained a search warrant to look for the gun involved. On Wednesday, Eric Butler was identified as the gunman. So Butler has now been charged with Felony assault, felony firearm, and brandishing of a firearm. As for motive, Detroit police said the men had some sort of verbal dispute a block away from the gas station that caused uh, this guy to become an attempted murderer. All right, Dan, interesting story, hell of a Father's Day story to tell. Thankfully, the father and his child safe and alive, but man, the instincts, the the adrenaline, unimaginable. Yeah, it must have been a fight or flight sponsor that's yeah. right there. Um, I am not the most religious person, but like seeing that gun jam at yeah. that moment, that, 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 that makes you know that someone's watching out for that guy. Like it's thankfully, and the baby didn't even wake up too. Yeah. That was amazing. It's just like, oh no, I'm still gonna, you know, get my Newports or whatever, get whatever <laughs> I need to get from the liquor store and then come out, put this baby to sleep, whatever, and go on about my day. There's there's something so cool about that, but like in all seriousness, we're so happy that um, he reacted this quickly, was able to lock the door and then at least like run out and move before anything else happened. Yeah. And that guy, is the um, attempted murder suspect essentially is lucky he doesn't have to live with that in his conscience for the rest of his life. Because what would have that been for? $150? What to kill a man and potentially his child on Father's Day? Like, come on, what are we doing? Yeah. All right. Dan, always a pleasure having you on the show. Tell people how they can check you out, look at your great work. 
Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Dan from the web. Check out TikTok, a good morning, bad news, posting bad news many mornings and audio face for covering music, figuring out whether Drake's new album is good or not. Always good to be with you, Rasad Raji. Wish it were under better circumstances, of course, but keeping it up with the doctor, love it. Same here, man. I like Drake, new album, trash. All right. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, let's get it. Welcome to the bullpen. She's back in the bullpen today. We have Miss Hannah Cox, brand ambassador, Fee Online, F E E Online, host of Base, fellow AFB Virginia, conservative, libertarian, conservative writer, activist, and commentator. Actually, very smart individual. Ms. Cox, good to have you on the show, how are you? Good to see you, Dr. Rishi, thank you for the nice words. Absolutely, all right, let's talk about January 6th, the committee hearing. I have a lot of mixed feelings about the nature of the hearing. I think it is necessary, but I also believe it's performative and political. I think all of those truths coexist. Mm -hmm. But there's an interesting poll that came out just yesterday because initially it seemed as if many Americans wanted to move away from the January 6th thing. And then they started presenting information. They started presenting actual testimony. And the majority of it comes from conservatives. Now, a poll that was done yesterday shows, here's the new numbers, that more than 60%, 64% to be exact, 64% of Americans now believe that the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol was planned rather than spontaneous. That is a difference in the polling data. Another poll also showed that six out of 10 Americans believe that Trump was either somewhat or wholly responsible. And also 49% of Republicans believe that it was planned rather than spontaneous, which is an increase as well. So it seems as if the public profile dynamic of the January 6th committee hearing is somewhat working, is moving the needle of public perception, which is part of their plan. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this hearing. So if you would, give us your sentiment and I will then opine. Sure, well, I'm, I'm kind of with you, I have mixed emotions on it. To be honest, when it first began, I felt like it was sort of political in nature. It was meant to kind of rile up the base against Republicans leading into the midterms. I thought we pretty much already knew most of what there was to know about this. And given the multiple other very pressing issues we face as a country right now, it seemed like a bit of a waste of time and resources. But I would put myself sort of in this camp where I'm loosely following it. You know, It's not my top issue by any means, but I've been keeping track. And I think there has been some interesting information coming out. And one thing I am particularly concerned about and that I've been concerned about is that I believe Trump committed fraud against his own voters. And I said this from the very beginning when he was trying to fundraise and say, give us this money for legal action. We're gonna go in and prove the election was stolen. There was never any evidence that the election was stolen. And he knew that. And even when I read the actual briefs of what they were filing in courts, they weren't even trying to argue that, right? In an actual legal courtroom, they wouldn't dare because they would perjure themselves. But he was going out and pushing this falsehood and fundraising millions of dollars all the pretty vulnerable people, I think. And I think that that's worth investigating and knowing about. I also do strongly believe that if this was planned and organized, and if Trump was actually the catalyst behind it, that's also really important for the American people to know. I will be the first to say that during that time period in our country, I was working for a left-wing think tank. I was doing criminal justice reform. And my colleagues kept saying to me, do you think he's gonna try to not leave office? What do you think is gonna happen? And I was like, what, what would he possibly do? Of course he's gonna leave office, you know? 
And I was dead wrong on that. I never, I never thought as crazy as he was that that would end up happening, and and it did. And I think that if there was an actual attempt to have a coup in our country, yeah. then we absolutely need to know about it. So that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't like Liz Cheney. I'll be totally honest about that. Okay. I feel like he's a warmonger. She's a neocon, and the only issue she has with Trump is that he was anti-war. Had he been exactly who he is, but pro-war, she'd have no issue with him. So I find her disingenuous. That's been a bit of a turnoff to me with her leading this. But as a whole, I I think it's a valuable information seeking. I think people deserve to know the truth. And for me, I really hate what Trump did to the right. I hate nationalism. I hate populism. I truly believe in free market capitalism and limited government and individual liberty. And I think he was an enemy towards those things. And so I am hopeful that people become more aware of the con artists that I believe that he was and that that hopefully propels the right back towards more of a principled stance on these topics and away from his brand of republicanism, which I thought was just devoid of any actual principles whatsoever. You bring up some interesting points. So let me first start with um, Trump committing fraud. I agree with you, but I think he's been committing fraud for a very long time. Uh, I think a lot of what he did, even predating him becoming president, um, was fraudulent in character and fraudulent ethically. So he carries on this leadership style to the presidency because he's not held accountable to it. And then he carries it beyond the presidency because once again, he's not held accountable for the criminal activity of, of fraud. Here's a dynamic, and I've been following this, and I have already counted, Ms. Cox, 11 separate and independent ways they tried to overthrow the election. Like literally, these were different operations all happening at the same time. Now, democracy stood, barely, but it stood. Now, here's a question I have for you. And this is kind of an academic question about policy and politics. We all know now that we probably should not have the entire presidential election come down to the signature of a vice president, no matter what party is in power. We know that now. And I know people like to talk about how the framers of the Constitution are so, were so smart and brilliant. Well, they they effed up on that one. Okay. Well, I think that, they effed up in a few ways. So yeah, there you I can have a good sure. conversation there. There you go. So, and here's my beef with many of the institutional Democrats. We we all said, okay, listen, this is a bad thing. This shouldn't be. Hell, we got a report that Mike Pence called Dan Quayle and basically said, hey, Dan. Am I able to do this or not? Dan was like, you got to step away from it. Listen to the parliamentarian. You do not have power here, Pence. This is not what you want to do. But it exposed how fragile democracy is. Why do you think that Democrats and Democrats and Republicans, who were more of the sense of protecting democracy, at least in the beginning of this thing, why do you think they never came together in order to remedy those dynamics of the Constitution so we did not have this crisis in the future? Well, I think to be totally frank, from my observations, the GOP was still very much in the grip of Donald Trump following January 6th. And I would say that that really maintained itself for quite some time. I think it took a little bit of time for the actual information to get in front of his supporters and for them to start to recognize there was an issue. I will say, and this is anecdotal, but in my experience after January 6th, there was a change in temperature that started where people who were fine, who didn't really like Trump as a person, who thought he was kind of crazy, but were fine because they thought he was better economically for them, started to back away from that and started to say there might be real issues here, this might have crossed a line. But I think it often takes people a long time to admit when they're wrong. 
And I think it can take some time for people to fully get the information and facts because of the kind of algorithm bubbles that we all live in, right? Where they're seeing very different information than what I might be seeing, than what you might be seeing in their newsfeed. So I think that it took a little time. And I also think we're now at a point where I don't think the GOP is totally rid itself of Trump or totally backed away from it. But I do think they're at a point where they recognize he's a loser that he's a losing candidate for them. And they're starting to look for other people who maybe have some similar characteristics or stances, but who they believe are more popular, more able of bringing people together. So I think we're just now at this point where we could actually maybe have a conversation about some things that could change, some better protocols that could be put into place. And I think that that's something that people should be looking at on the right, because if somebody could on in a Republican party could do this and come this close to getting you know their vice president to do something like that, well, that could easily happen on the left as well, right? These are very obvious problems that I think we should turn our attention to again i think the fraud issue needs to be answered and i and i hope that as a whole as these hearings are going forward it makes the american people really step back and recognize a key factor which is that power is corrupting yep power will always be corrupting it doesn't matter how good of a person gets into office it will corrupt them if there are not checks and balances on that power that's why i believe in limited government there has to be constraints and i think a lot of the ways the founders messed up is that and not actually putting enough restraints on politicians, on the government, on keeping them out of our daily lives, out of our economic lives, and in ensuring that that they were actually beholden to the Constitution and to the democratic checks and balances that are written in it. And they even said themselves, if there comes to be a time where this is no longer working, where this is not going as planned as we hope it does, start over, try again, redo it. You know, We have a process even to come forward and have new amendments added. The problem I'm seeing right now is that our legislature has broken down to such an extent that they're not even passing any bills, right? They barely get anything done. The lawmakers hardly get to read the bills when they do go to vote. And we really are not having these kinds of um, representative uh, actual leaders speaking up on our behalf and trying to fix things in the system. They're mostly just trying to get on TV and get clicks. And so we've got to do something about the two party system that incentivizes that. We've got to do something about the money in politics that incentivizes that. These are really very big root problem issues in our system that I think is where we need to start. It's, it's much more than just the vice president being able to sign off on, on who's careful, president. Careful, you're starting <laughs> to sound like a progressive here, Ms. Cox. Okay, Let, let's, I know, and, and that's why I tell people I can rock with libertarians because you all have actual integrity about what you believe and you're thoughtful about it, even if I disagree with you on some policy dynamics. Let's go to the problem I have with the January 6th committee. I wanted them to really investigate everything that happened. I did not want them to play this institutional game. I think it's really important that not only we know all that happened, but we hold people accountable. So I saw the writing on the wall when they started saying things like, well, we won't make any recommendations to the DOJ. But wait a minute, if you see criminal activity, follow it where it should go. And then I saw the second writing on the wall when they said, well, we're gonna send a letter for this person, but we'll subpoena all these people. Wait a minute, so you're gonna send, you, you're gonna send a request when you have the ability to send a demand. What kind of games are you playing here? And I realized, as the hearings continued, which by the way are necessary. They are completely necessary. But I realized more and more, this was more about winning the midterm election than actually holding people accountable. And here's the problem with that, Ms. Cox. They're playing checkers, okay? This is a chess match. If you don't set yourself up for the ultimate play later, this is going to happen again. You're gonna be here again because you played around 
when you should have been making strategic moves in order to ensure that this did not happen in the future. I don't want this to happen on the left or the right. I, I hate the two party system. It's a system that we currently kind of have at the moment, but I don't want this to happen again. Ms. Cox, Trump's power is still there. Now granted, it's been slipping. He endorsed uh, Purdue uh, for governor, he lost that one. He endorsed Vernon Jones for Congress, he lost that one. But he still has significant fundraising power. He still has significant power over the people that make decisions about laws such as Mitch McConnell, his power is still there. This election cycle will still be Trump heavy, do you not agree? Yeah, I mean, I'm in Georgia too, so I've been watching some of this go down, and I have yeah. thought it was interesting that his the, his endorsement doesn't seem to carry as much weight as they were hoping it would. But what That's I right. but on the other hand, it's not that the people who've won have been running away from Trump, right? So it's not that there's no problem. Brian Kemp became governor, but he's still running very pro-Trump, even though Trump endorsed his competitor. And so I think that when it comes to Trump's influence, the biggest problem I have is that his policies are still popular, right? We can get rid of the man himself, but if the, mm -hmm. if the party is still trying to follow in his footsteps and appeal to, I think, demography, which is what he was pushing through his nationalist populist kind of views, that's a bigger long-term problem. And so, yeah, I think that you're right. There does need to be accountability. We we do need to see some real teeth to this. I think the American people are sick and tired of the charade. We're so tired of the two-party system coming out here and acting like they're, you know, beating up on each other and that they're going to really come in and put yeah. people hold them to account. And then really behind the scenes, they're going to dinner together, and we know it. And and they mm -hmm. really continue to vote together on the big things that matter and that hurt us, like war, like corporate welfare. And I think people are fed up. And I, and I think that I hope what people take from that is that we have to rise up and we have to start really demanding that kind of accountability. And if they're not doing it, we have to get rid of these people and and try to find people who will actually seriously work to restrain the government and seriously work to get it out of our way because ultimately this hurts people. It's real people's lives on the line. And I think that it's something people should be really upset about. Regardless of political persuasion, when you're dealing with authentic people, you can get something done. When you're dealing with people who are not authentic, but they are typically connected to a power dynamic or they're connected to a position or institution, they are not going to make authentic decisions. They are going to want you to think they're being authentic in the process. And you know this, Ms. Cox, people have been fed up with the two-party system for a long time. That's why you have Tea Party movements. That's why you have libertarians. That's why you have progressives. That's why you have the Green Party, the Independent Party. And the like, people have always been fed up with this two-party system. I appreciate you being on the show. Um, always a sharp conversation with you, Ms. Cox. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here, Dr. Rishi. All right. Don't forget, Galaxy Brain is next. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.